Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to, I guess, the season-ending reporting is eligible. Um, we got so many questions last week on the sort of um, Tampa Bay NFC Championship loss that we decided to spread it out over another week. You guys filled up the rundown with six pages, so uh, we couldn't get it all in an hour. And besides, since that happened, stuff has gone on. Um, the Packers have moved on from Mike Patton. It's not accurate to say fired him because they just let his contract run out. They, As I said on Acme Packing Company, um, Slack, they fixed the glitch. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they did, in fact, fire properly Sean Menenga. And you know, now we get to do that search, too. So um, joining me, as always, we have the usual crew in Wauwatosa. We have. I was told I I was told I could listen at a reasonable volume and I could see the squirrels and they were merry. They were merry. Yeah, it's J.R. Radcliffe, uh, trending sports reporter from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Huge fan of fixed glitches, uh, not just for the defensive coordinator, but also, you know, for the special teams coordinator, Sean Menenga. I feel like you buried the lead because our, our buddy Matt, our buddy Matab is very excited about that one, I think. Yeah, we might uh, as well introduce him early so that he can just let's bring him on. Let's do this. Gloat about it. You you can do it now. Do the Are you sure? I'm supposed to wait like another six <laughs> minutes at least. <laughs> In Colorado, uh, being coy, we, we can know. talk about Shailene Woodley. We can fill the time yeah, we, here we with can Roger's about, new girlfriend. Yeah, Jared and I can talk about Big Little Lies. We've watched it. We know all about her. That's. I saw Divergent. Did, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that is. Sense. So Divergent is the Hunger Games with tattoos. Isn't that the Hunger Games? <laughs> the no. Hunger Games has tattoos, doesn't it? No, it like. It tattoos are like a plot. Pl- tattoos are a plot device in Diversion. Okay. Oh, so it's like Prison Break. Mm, no. <laughs> I think there's a pretty good generational gap here, Paul. I'm not sure we're gonna know much more about that. No, I'm. I'm gonna say Diversion is not good. Prison Break is good. Oh really? I mean, Prison Break is fine, but like. Mm. Prison Break is fine. Diversion is very obviously written in an era where someone was cashing in on uh, dystopian future novellas. Uh, uh, yeah. So jumping on a trend, basically. To yeah, make money. And so anyway, as always, I'm at, but you can call me my tub. Hey, all right. <laughs> Meme Weaver at Acme Packing Company, General Twitter Rebel Rouser. <laughs> so we introduced you early so that you could mm-hmm. gloat and talk about Sean Menenga. <sighs> I'm so happy Sean Menenga got fired. <laughs> like, I, I feel ter- every time I, I say things like this, I feel I terrible. It's I not, feel terrible that a man lost his job. It's not our job to, to treat the people in football organizations like people. It's just not. It, they... <laughs> There are other people to treat them like people. It's called their family and friends. <laughs> That's cold, Noonan. Cold. Well, I feel bad when people lose their jobs too. It's not fun. I've lost my. I've lost jobs before. It's not fun. But 
this is part of sports and sports coverage and you know you get to see what all these people do for a living and how effective and ineffective they are so um you know we we just got to do what we got to do here <laughs> and it's good that Sean Manek is gone he didn't do well and besides you got to think about the other side of this too Maurice Strait now has a better job because he's gone <laughs> hooray for I mean that. so I guess I so I just googled Sean Manega net worth his estimated net worth is $5 million. I don't feel bad anymore. There you go. <laughs> All set. Conscience clear. For as much as we thought that this could happen, that we suspected the Packers would want a new special teams coordinator and defensive coordinator, it still it still strikes me as fairly notable that a team that went to the NFC Championship game and you know, a team that we think should easily be in the Super Bowl has replaced two of the three major coordinators on their staff. And uh, for a while, it looked like they could they could have potentially lost their offensive coordinator since uh, Nathaniel Hackett was in some job interview, you know, in, yeah. in some preliminary job interview discussions, didn't end up getting one of the head coaching jobs. But uh, to me, it, it does surprise me. I mean, it makes sense. We've talked about why it makes sense. We've talked about why those guys aren't fitting the bill, but I still, I, I still part of me thought, but they're going to just say, look, the team did well. What more do you want? Uh, but, uh, but they clearly see a uh, time for change. We were really prescient actually, because we were asked a few episodes ago, um, basically, do they have to go to the Super Bowl to save Patton's job? And uh, one of us, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if it was me, but one of us said, um, if, if they don't go to the Super Bowl, the reason that they don't go to the Super Bowl will be Mike Pettin. <laughs> and so he'll get fired. And that is exactly how it played out. <laughs> I think if that end of the half doesn't happen, he might not get fired because they played pretty well outside of that complete catastrophe. Um, but that's that's why he's gone. He, they, he screwed up in the worst possible way, in the highest leverage way possible in front of people. And you just can't do that if you've got his resume. You just... Wouldn't uh, wouldn't it have been great if Patton and Menenga got Trent Dilford? Yes, that would have been fantastic. Won a Super Bowl and got kicked out. Yeah, yes, that would have been the best possible option. But for, for the younger for Jim listen- Harbaugh, for a Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> yeah, for the younger listeners of uh, reporting is eligible, Trent Dilford won the Super Bowl as probably the most ineffective quarterback to win a Super Bowl ever. Mm, no. Uh, Paul Paul has opinions, but the that, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been Roethlisberger against the Seahawks just for the oh, there you go. Well, the Seahawks were also had to have the game stolen from them. the The Ravens actually won their Super Bowl. Fair enough, but <laughs> so but anyway, the the two thousand Ravens team is like historically great. One of the best defenses to ever play the game had a phenomenal running game. Trent Dilfer just handed the ball off and didn't throw interceptions and won the Super Bowl. There were like six games all year, including playoffs, where teams got to double digits. It's it's yeah. insanity. They had multiple games under a touchdown, right? Yeah, they did. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That defense was in fact incredible. And so Trent and that Dilfer... was Dilfer's only year with Baltimore. He yes, came and in... he was he was cut the next year. <laughs> like a higher. Imagine that. Like it's one thing if you're Nick Foles and you've been sitting on the bench and you just fill in and happen to do really well like Trent Dilfer was brought in for the season and then gone the next year and they won a <laughs> Super Bowl just totally wild to me totally wild so good so good Trent um, Dilfer I, knew his stuff because he basically only played for teams with outstanding defenses um Tam- Tampa either Tampa Bay or, or Baltimore and that's where he went he knew he knew his limitations you got to give him that you know I have a Trent Dilfer rookie card <laughs> nicely done it's, it's probably worth something by the way just just to to knock home the uh the brett the uh, ben roethlisberger stats in that super bowl he was nine of 21 
for 123 yards, two interceptions, and he was sacked once. Um, that's and they won the game, um, 21 to 10, 21 to 10. So on that stat line, just ridiculous, terrible. But it's also one of the more controversial Super Bowls to ever happen. It is so. Um, Willie Parker had a 75-yard rushing touchdown, which was most of Pittsburgh's offense. And Heinz Ward actually caught a 43-yard touchdown pass, but it was from Antoine Randall on a, you know, crazy Antoine Randall play. So, you know, like the Jameis play for the Saints, that kind of thing. Oh, probably, man. You probably have to classify this under what else are they going to say, but it is notable Matt LaFleur on Monday said he took full responsibility for the play at the end of the half, which I think is sort of – I think we've all coalesced around that moment at this point as the moment. That's the Brandon Bostic. If if you need a Brandon Bostic moment for this game, <laughs> it's that one. End of the first half, that is the that is possibly a difference maker moment. You know, Matt LaFleur says he takes full responsibility for it, did not, you know, did not even half throw Petten under the bus. But uh, but as you just said, it'd be interesting to know what the alternate universe looks like when however that doesn't however. Happen. Matt LaFleur called cover two man. He did not call for a single high safety. Yeah. So. Which is which is different than what happened. <laughs> he wanted to give Kevin King safety help. He that would have been nice. He knew. That would have been nice. Um, however, I would say the biggest indictment of LaFleur is not calling a timeout. I think that's that's fair. Um they had one. When? At the oh right then at the end of the half? When the defense yes. yeah, at the end of the half when sure. the defensive read was, Oh my god, Kevin King is singled up. Um that's yes i think a fair criticism he's got to employ the mike budenholzer strategy of the use it or lose it like he's going to call that time out every time no matter, <laughs> no matter what. what why uh why take them into the locker room with you what do you need them for yep <sighs> all right so we got a lot of questions <laughs> i knew that was yeah. coming by the way the ah <sighs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a signature i should actually just have a button that makes the noise for me um well, who do you guys? Who do you want to be the new defensive coordinator? We know. I mean, I was going to say, guys. what do you think we are? The yep. Acme Packing Company pass podcast, where <laughs> Zach has his mixer board with the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, do you have a favorite? Uh, I I liked. I, I sort of like Ejiro Evero. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's a fun name. <laughs> uh, he also has Mike McCarthy eyes. I, um, so you said that in the pregame before we started recording. What does that actually yes. mean? What are Mike McCarthy eyes? Have you ever looked at Mike McCarthy when I'm he's pulling, looking forward? I'm pulling up a picture of him right now, and you know I have that eight bit one on the computer game that I made. Um, uh, it just doesn't strike me as a thing that. Uh, so Mike McCarthy is looking in two different directions when he's looking uh, it forward, really? as I is. Legitimately, never saw that. Like before. a forward-facing Simpsons character. Yeah, he's he's got lazy. and um uh, his, Edgiro has the oh has he does a similar holy crap I never I, noticed that before I've never thought of forward facing Simpsons character before but I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> about <laughs> wow that's amazing okay now I know exactly what you're talking about I never noticed that before how long has that been a meme how did you not that's like the epitome of McCarthy's career it's like anything I don't know I got I I've never seen that before I. The only eyes meme I'm aware of is with Max Scherzer's multiple polychromatic eyes. Okay, so listeners of Reporting is Eligible, to give you an idea of when we're recording this, as I say this, I'm dropping the tweet with the two pictures into the Discord (laughs) so the gentleman can see how the eyes are the same. 
we'll tweet it yes. later too. Why not? These these two gentlemen. I, it is a tweet. You can just retweet it. These two gentlemen are looking in two different directions. Wow, and it, you are right. Ezra Evero does have that too. Right. <laughs> so don't the, the, you want somebody who can see all ends of the field? He's like a, it's <laughs> like a it's cow. Why, maybe it's, it's why like he's good. <laughs> so, uh, who was the 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 Packers had a uh, offensive lineman a while back who was blonde. I think his name was Matt something. Um, <laughs> and he had he had Mike McCarthy. This eyes. podcast is already amazing, by the way. We've described I had a, people I, are looking blonde guys named Matt who played for the so, Packers. Is so, it Mike Wall? It might have been. He, I think he was on the practice squad. Oh, oh and so the the running joke on the on the APC comment section was that he was Mike McCarthy's son, and I had this like massive conspiracy theory drawn up about how Mike McCarthy could have fathered him, because this guy was from Ohio, and Mike McCarthy was an assistant with uh, Pitt at the time that this guy would have been born and Pitt played. I think it was like OSU the year that he was born. <laughs> like it was this big conspiracy theory i had the whole comment section in on it and then the packers cut him and i was like nepotism <laughs> very nice right. uh is is there anything about israel evero that you that you specifically like okay see he's i mean he's he's new blood and the more i learn about him the more interesting he like his in the in the very same reason that i would like joe witt or liked joe witt i guess i should say he's He's fairly young. He's up and coming. He's his uh, body of work works. Excuse me. His body of work is is very good up to this point, and it's a stepping stone. It's not like like the people that were calling for Charles Woodson. <laughs> like you can't just say Hall of Fame player should be ex coach. Nope. Like Hall of Fame idea. player who has never coached before should be ex coach. Kevin Green was a very good linebacker coach because he was a very good linebacker. If you were to say, I want Charles Woodson to be the new DB coach, I would totally accept that. Charles Woodson was a very good DB in a very coachable style. He had a nose for the ball. Kevin Green was not someone in 2010 who I would have wanted as a defensive coordinator. He still needed to work his way up. Uh, and Ejiro is working his way up. I think he has finally made enough steps on the ladder to to have enough coaching experience to be a, a defensive coordinator i wonder if uh this isn't there aren't enough data points here to make this a trend but when mike mccarthy came to the packers he was paired up with dom capers guy with head coaching experience been around forever matt lafleur comes here also a new hire with no you know he was kind of a an underdog pick not a lot of coaching experience not a lot of head coach experience none specifically He's paired up with Mike Pettin, who's got, you know, who's got it, head coaching experience, been around the block a lot. Now Matt LaFleur is, you know, going into his third year and they can probably afford to break that trend a little bit. You don't need an experienced guy to 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 pair with your offensive minded head coach. Just uh just bring in some I, I like the idea of somebody young, somebody fresh, new eyes, new perspective. There's yeah. so many retreads in this game, so many retreads, and it would just be nice to have just a somebody somebody fresh. Agreed. Well, they were they were talking about Chris Richard, who I'm very against, very very against. Yeah, well, he's going to be with the Saints, and so he, it's... yeah, he's not going to happen. So that's okay. Yes, I forgot he was. He ended up going with the Saints to not not to be a DC though, to be their secondary coach. Yeah. So, um, for for those listening who don't know who Chris Richard is, he's a disciple of Pete Carroll. If he was a defensive coordinator, all you would ever see cover is three. cover three, cover three, baby, all day, every day. 
So, <laughs> I was making jokes that they'd only call cover three sky and someone responded with, Hey, they'd call cover three cloud sometimes. That's true. <laughs> so, um, I, I'll, I'll, first of all, confess, I think it's very hard to, to actually pick a defensive coordinator. Um, especially being on the sidelines like offensive coordinators you can tell much more clearly what they're doing because they get to dictate what they're doing it's just hard on the defensive side of the ball and i think it's a hard thing to interview for and to sort of understand what kind of guy you're looking for one of my but uh, here's how i'll break it down how i look at it one of my criticisms of Patton from the time they hired him is is just based on um the 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 stories of him in collision low crossers where he is really executing on rex ryan's plans but not really making his own and he's very good at doing that he's very good at tape study at feeding information to other people and at getting the guys to execute at a high level but in that book he's displayed as not really having a good overall understanding of kind of why the defense is doing what it's doing but just listening to what rex feeds him and doing that and I think that kind of checks out. I think he's a little slow to react um, and doesn't always m have a defense that matches the situation or what's going on. I think when you criticize Pettin, it's often because he called that on third down and it was an easy conversion because he had a guy three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like, you can't do that. It's too easy. Uh, it's that kind of thing blown up to scale. And when you look for guys who are going to succeed, I think you got to try and find a guy with that high level understanding of what's going on i don't know anything about ezra evero except his generic resume and watching you know the teams he's on and he's not ever been a defensive coordinator he's always been something else he's the safeties coach for the rams um there he was before interviewing now um here's the thing about him though he's been in quite a few different systems always on good defenses. Um, now, he has not always been a defensive coach. He's moonlighted on the offensive side. All coaches do that. They move around a little bit. But mostly a defensive coach in many different styles, often very successful. I'm guessing that he has had the at least the opportunity to take away a lot of different concepts from a lot of different styles of defense. And I do like that. I like the, having some diversity in um, sort of this, the schemes that he's, he's run and especially having them be successful. It makes it easy to pick out things that work and things that don't when you're running a good scheme and under guys who are running good schemes. So I like that about him. It's a good resume. Um, I, like I said, I don't know any of these guys from anybody else. But um, So are you saying that, that you would take uh, Mike Patton as like a defensive quality control? I, actually, I would do that kind of thing um, for, for, a, for an underling, for a guy who is in charge of actually like coaching technique and for doing the hard work on picking out you know, weaknesses and strengths pre-game, I'm all for that for Patton. I think he's perfectly fine at that. But I don't want him in charge at a high level. So the the Monday through Saturday coach. Yep, exactly. I, I got gotcha. you. He's, he's Wiffle Ball Tony. Yep. <laughs> Do you guys get that reference? No, I don't. No, not at all. Not uh, at all. My, Mike Birbiglia, stand-up comedian, yeah. back in 04, had a bit of Wiffle Ball Tony. He's, he said George W. Bush was the guy who would show up at a barbecue and start the Wiffle Ball game, <laughs> and you don't put that guy in charge of the barbecue. And so he he was – so Mike Pettin is Wiffle Ball Tony. Okay. I like gotcha. you, you want him at the barbecue to start the, to start start the, the Wiffle Ball game, game. Yeah. but you don't want him in charge of the grill. It checks out. I, I'm down. <laughs> I do also – um, I do like Jim Leonard if they do end up I don't think they will hire him um, I think they're that's not going to happen but they are bringing him in for an interview and I do think Jim Leonard is um, a good high level really understanding defensive mind and will at some point be either 
a college head coach or a an NFL DC and eventually an NFL head coach. So I'd also be fine with that. He's so. He's tell good. me more. I, I'm not a Wisconsin fan. Okay. It's very obvious. I don't follow college football. We've mentioned previously on the podcast, college coaches might make good defensive coordinators in the NFL because of the vast difference. But tell me about Jim specifically. Okay. Um, Jim, Jim Leonard, first of all, um, if you are a Wisconsin fan, you, you've got to see him You know, coach the team, coach the defense, but also play there. And I think Jim Leonard's most famous at Wisconsin for having an absurd number of interceptions, despite not being the most athletically gifted person in the world, um, and did have a very successful NFL career, despite all those things being true, um, most notably for the Jets. Um, Jim Leonard, by the way, in Collision Low Crossers, is the other main character, aside from Rex Ryan and Mike Patton, because he is the person on those Jets defenses who actually ran the defense on the field. And one of the reasons I like him is when there, uh, when there are conversations in that, in that book portrayed between Ryan Leonard and Patton, um, it's Ryan kind of giving the spiel, um, Patton usually pushing back, and Leonard uh, understanding almost instantly exactly what needs to happen on the field, and in some instances making calls against um, Patton calls to fix defenses on the field. Um, he's, by the way, everybody should read that book if they're a Packer fan, just because Leonard's still going to be at Wisconsin and Patton was the DC here. But um, it really portrays Leonard in a positive light. It juxtaposes him with Darrell Rivas as, you know, the sort of phenom physically, who is one of the best shutdown corners of all time, with Leonard as sort of a phenom intellectually, as knowing exactly where to be. <laughs> What? For reference, Jim Leonard played cornerback at five foot eight, one hundred and eighty pounds. <laughs> Small man. Yeah. And really, safety more than anything. <laughs> and look at all well, the NFL years he got out of that. Yeah. Like that tells you something. He pl- he played from 05 to twenty fourteen. Yeah. And then immediately, I not immediately in twenty sixteen he became the Wisconsin defensive backs coach. Yep. And then in twenty seventeen became the coordinator. So they moved him up. He moves fast and. It, it's very, I, I think Jim Leonard could have been a defensive coordinator the, the moment he retired from the NFL because I, be, I think he essentially ran the Rex Ryan defense by the end of his tenure. And at Wisconsin, he has had essentially top five national defenses throughout his tenure with varying levels of, um, of talent going through there. That scheme is, is very good. And it is sometimes tough to translate college to the pros. Um, it's easy, easier for coaches in certain circumstances just to overwhelm with talent. Um, Wisconsin can be that way occasionally. They, they're, you know, they're an upper-level Big Ten team. They're not Ohio State, or you know, um, well, mostly they're not Ohio State, but they do have a talent advantage. But it's not always an overwhelming talent advantage. And the fact that Leonard gets such a dominant performance out of those guys is very impressive. So um, I think he's great. I think he will be successful wherever he goes. I'm not sure that he's going to wind up on the Packers. So. Two things Wisconsin fans love to worry about. When is Brian Anderson, the announcer for the Brewers, when is he going to leave for a national <laughs> gig? He does a ton of national work, NBA and whatnot, and everyone's always worried, well, when's he going to leave permanently? And when is Jim Leonard going to leave Wisconsin? He's going to leave for a bigger job or a better job, a D coordinator spot in the SEC. So much worry about that all the time. So I think people, people know what a good thing they've got with him. Shall we do these questions? Let's get I to guess it. Before we move too far, yep. uh, Leonard is a 3-4 guy, yes? Um, yes, he is. Yeah. Now, because a lot of the hullabaloo is people were talking about bringing in 4-3. It doesn't matter. Just, you know it doesn't matter. I, I know. I know. The the Which is funny because the uh, Chris, what's, Chris Richards is a 4-3 under, which is 
essentially the same thing as a three, four, you just have a, a stand-up end. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make sure that to, to really cement at home that, that uh, Rashawn Gary would not put his hand in the dirt ever again. <laughs> oh no, who cares? Um, <laughs> I, I can't remember if we did mention this on the Potters before, but Wade Phillips will not be hired. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and before we go on real, real quick, do we have any opinion on Jerry Gray? Since he is eh. in, yeah, eh. um, I kind of don't want anybody in house just because there haven't really been any good defensive coaching performances in house for uh, since since Dom Capers first and second years, really. So, I sure, but this guy's been there one year, and the D backs had a good year. I, that's true. That's true. Jerry Graham might be great. I just don't know. Yeah, and, and well, like when when. When we were talking about Joe Witt back post Dom Capers, yeah. we had players beating the table for this guy, and he had a very long track record. Whereas Jerry Gray, we have one year, yeah. and he was given a pretty good slot corner. He turned Kevin King into a serve. He was a he was a real NFL corner this yes, he year. He was. He was. He had never been a real NFL corner previously in his career, and Jair was already great, and he made him even better, or he was part of making him even better. Yeah. So. Yeah, limited body work, limited sample size, but good. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We need we need we a bigger know. sample size. I think it comes down to that. But Jerry Gray has always he's so he was the the Buffalo Bills coordinator in '01 to '05, and the Bills were always really good on defense back then. I don't know if that was a talent thing, but um, he has previously been coordinator for top defenses. However, so was Dom Caper, so was Mike Pettin. Yeah, true. All right, let's do some questions. All right, so let's flash back. We did the Patreon questions last week. Yep. Let's dive into the Twitter questions. Uh, Jones is this is uh, KL. from K- KL Willis. Uh, Jones is gone, but Williams is back next year, right? For another running back room, of course. Yes, I think so. I think they get him. Yeah, back. yeah, I think so. I think he's cheap. Uh, they're comfortable with him. He knows the system, and um, Williams does all the little stuff that you need and rookies don't do AJ Dillon doesn't do pass blocking that well and he's not that good of a receiver so um you want somebody to do that even if he's not the best runner and Williams he'll, he'll be there he'll be cheap I think they, they do bring him back Jones also, is gone though Jones is Williams gone. Williams up to this point in his career has never fumbled worth noting yeah and amazing and boy don't we wish we would have had that in the NFC championship game <laughs> I, I think seeing AJ Dillon a little bit more on the field a few more snaps toward the end indicates to me that they're comfortable with him going forward. I am all but certain they're going to bring in some sort of veteran though, right? To, to round out that room with, because well, they don't have a true workhorse now if Jones leaves. Well, LaFleur, LaFleur is going to want his lightning because right now he has thunder, thunder yeah, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have his lightning back. So unless Tyler Irvin becomes no. Yeah. <laughs> Dude can't <laughs> so, stay on the field. Fifth round pick, high RAS. That's what we'll have for the the other running back this year. Oren um, Burks, move him to right. <laughs> I actually wouldn't mind seeing that. That'd be interesting. But, but it would be the reverse Devin White. Yeah, um, it would. By the way, AJ Dillon ended up with a higher DVOA than Aaron Jones on the year. Um, that's a little deceiving because a lot of his carries came against a single opponent, um, and that can really skew how efficient you are. But it's it's worth noting that. He was very efficient carrying the ball, and um, Aaron Jones didn't actually have that good of a year receiving. Last year, he played a lot more in sort of the Bob Tanyan role. He was much more of a field stretcher, which he's not great at, but you know, it drove up his yards per catch. Um, as a dump-off option, 
it's not that it's not as important who you have there and Williams can do it and Dylan will be fine because those are easy passes to catch. So it should be fine, but jo- somebody's going to give Jones way too much money. It's just not going to happen. He played himself out and and you know what? Kudos to Aaron Jones, who is himself a fifth round pick and is going to be uh, running back rich, which is not NFL player rich, but is still richer than all of us. So <laughs> More someone power is him. someone's going to give him Le'Veon Bell's contract and is going to complain about how expensive it is two years from now. That is correct. Jason Knackers asks, what do you think is the area that needs the most improvement for the Packers after watching the NFC championship loss? I felt like a better edge rush performance would have made the biggest difference in the outcome. I mean, if it's just on that game, you want a better offensive line, but that's obviously. Yeah, I'm going to go corner on this. I, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm corner as well. Um, I, I'm sort of buying into the corners are more important than edge rushers um, analytics analysis at this point. They're both important. I don't think it's a huge difference. But the fact of the matter is the Packers got plenty of pressure, especially in the second half. And it'd be nice to have better edge rushers, but I do think Rashawn Gary's for real. And uh, honestly, one of the Packers' downfalls and one of the things that got Patton fired, I think, is trying to get Preston Williams and Rashawn Gary and Zedarius Williams, or, um, sorry, Preston, Preston Smith. Williams. Uh, <laughs> Preston Smith, Zedarius Smith, and Rashawn Gary all onto the field at the same time under the idea that they're all good pass rushers and you can do that as a sub package. It's not true. Preston Smith's not a good pass rusher anymore. And had they just cut back on his reps and put Gary in more, they would have been a lot better off. So they have. Remember what uh, Capers called that? I don't. Is the NASCAR package? The NASCAR. That's I, I. I hate it now. Um, <laughs> in, in any case, I think they have enough people to generate pressure, especially when Kenny Clark's healthy too. Uh, corner, on the other hand, is something they got picked on. Like uh, obviously, Tampa focused on their lack of corner corner depth and picked him to death, especially Kevin King. And that's what happens, and that's why corner is important. Uh, you can have all the Jair Alexanders in the world, but if your slots and your other outside corners aren't as good, well, they can just throw at them, so who cares? Um, and Kevin King's just not any good. Um, uh, he you know, he used to be a super fast, great prospect. Uh, he ran a great combine. His, um, his RAS chart is off the charts good. He's suffered all these little nagging injuries, and he's never been a good tackler, and they're, he's 6'4", which makes him the current tallest cornerback in football. You can't be that tall and be a good cornerback. It doesn't work. There's only one good one, and it's Richard Sherman. And Richard Sherman is a beast who's good at tackling, which Kevin King has never been in his entire life. So. Also, Richard Sherman runs like Geronimo Allison level 40s. Yeah. <laughs> He, he, he does. He's not fast. He's a different he's a different kind of player than Kevin King. And the Kevin Kings don't work, so don't pick them. Uh, Kevin King is I believe, he's a free agent, right? He's he's gone. He's out. He's gone. So yeah. he's someone's someone's gonna give him a lot more money than he deserves. Yep. Uh, well, At this point, I'm operating under the assumption that Kevin King, Preston Smith, Corey Lindsley, and Aaron Jones are for sure all gone. Is that an unsafe assumption? I would bet on that. I, I think that's very safe. Yeah. I, I feel terrible that Corey Lindsley is one of my favorite Packers. He might win Walter Payton Man of the Year, and he's likely not going to be a Packer next yeah, year. Yeah, I agree. It's sad, and he's the one I would want back if I had any of them back. Sure. But um, I think he's going to make Mad Bank. He And also, I think Elton Jenkins can play that position, which is not going to help. So Yeah, look at uh, J.C. Treader, yep. who was like a backup center who wasn't great. The Browns backed up a Brinks truck to him. Turns out he was a perennial Pro Bowl quality player. We didn't even 
give enough credit to. Now what what happens when you have a legitimate Pro Bowl, All-Pro, All-World center who Aaron Rodgers has been beating the table for since he was a rookie? <laughs> he's he's that dude's gone. Yep. Like just can't afford him. Yeah, it's really too bad. And uh, by the way, I do think you'll see the Packers load up on corners in the draft again, which is infuriating because they This I was told this wasn't a good corner year. It's not. I mean, uh, First of all, that's just trash. Nobody knows anything, but um, <laughs> but that is the the consensus is it's not a good corner here. Yes, but I mean they need they need people. If they don't do that, they've got to sign. They have to sign people off the street. Like you have to replace Kevin King. He's, he's probably not going to come back, and you need somebody to play corner. You can't have Ladarius Gunter level people out there across from Jair. That's the worst case situ- situation. What about so not to get into? I know his name, but Asante Samuel. It, is he is he any good anymore? I don't. No, Asante Samuel Jr. is is oh, a first round corner prospect. Asante Samuel has a <laughs> fucking kid. Oh, dude, geez. dude! I <laughs> told you that Antoine Winfield flashed across the screen this year, and I was like, oh, he got traded to the Buccaneers. <laughs> so, like, I'm not gonna throw a stone, but that's very funny that that happens to you too. <laughs> See, this is why we need a video podcast. Your face was just <laughs> good God. Is he any good? And I'm like, I don't know, but I bet he can light it up Isn't at the Y. Like so uh, other people who are draft eligible this year, uh, Lorenzo Neal Jr. Oh, <laughs> that makes more sense, though. That yeah, feels Lorenzo like Neal's that feels right for a long time. Yes. Asante Samuel Jr. is a uh, Florida State cornerback prospect who is, I believe, a first round quality prospect. OK, so good to know. Go. I was surprised <laughs> on draft day. Now that's good. Noted. But I knew I knew you were going to think of his old man, which is why I brought him up. <laughs> Noted Vikings fan Ben. Ben writes, I'm not a Packer fan, so I might not get to participate. <laughs> but would Veld here, had, if he'd been eligible, would that have made a big enough difference to flip the outcome? We talked about this last time. I think I think it would have. Yeah. I think so, yeah. It would Wagner, Wagner got beaten like a drum. Yeah, Wagner had a bad game. Veldir, I think, would have been better, especially in this game. Veldir is – well, there's weird uh, – I I would like to see more interviews with him because I do feel like he's just a mercenary for rings right now. And I still think he's super good. Like he's just a crazy great athlete, giant man, and is going to be better against speed rush than a lot of what the Packers have to put out there. So uh, Jared, Jared Velde here is what happens when you have a tight end who is scaled up to 320 pounds. Yeah. He's, he's built like someone who runs routes. He has a, he's dude weighs over 300 pounds and has abs. That's not fair. <laughs> that that human shouldn't exist. Yeah. He's nuts. That It's crazy. There, there are so many, like, I feel like we talked a lot about the big things that went wrong that could have changed last week, but there's a lot of these little things too, like Valdir getting COVID. I do think they win the game if that doesn't happen. <laughs> it's stupid. Um, it's not a little thing. <laughs> well, it's, it's it, but it, it's, it's not it's one of little, the 15 things you focus on. It's a little thing in that team. he was, you know, he wasn't on the team. They signed him off of practice squad for the playoffs. And usually those guys are going to be, you know, special teams fodder, something like that. I mean, you usually it doesn't happen because it's not allowed. <laughs> but um, usually you don't get a, a playoff free agent, get sick and miss a game. And that costs you going to the Super Bowl. That's not a thing that usually happens. I know. I was just I was just crapping on your phrasing there, but Okay, fine. <laughs> Ryan Ziegler asks, should Rogers restructure his entire deal to give Goody Ball, Goody slash ball, room to sign players? Especially in light of the comments this week, I think he's gonna want to because it will benefit him, but it also could benefit the team too. Yeah. We talked about this in APC Slack and we started with um 
the the should they restructure his contract to they almost have to um it it is worth first of all Rodgers is clearly still very good and if you are worried about his long-term prospects um a lot of what made him risky in the McCarthy times is gone which is taking 50 sacks a year and getting the crap kicked out of him um he took 20 sacks this year and he barely got hit at all and really yeah and his his time to throw was way down i think it was like a full yeah. second down this trusting year. the system was really good for aaron's health um and he did not do as many um ill-advised runs as we've seen in the past he was maybe a little too conservative running the ball which we saw pop up in the last game but um as long as his arm doesn't decline and he keeps trusting the system like that he'll probably stay healthy and you know this this healthy Rodgers is you know outstanding awesome MVP pay that guy so keep him we around didn't for... even have, we didn't even have one game this year where we we're complaining people were complaining about how oh he's only checking down he's not throwing downfield at all he's not taking risks that pops up every year and on the year he doesn't get sacked and he's getting rid of the ball faster than ever somehow that doesn't come up I guess when you win 13 of 16 games that happens yeah, yeah. but also the the Packers relied pretty heavily on pre-snap motion and play action this year so he was he even went on the designed longer developing plays, he was protected by the scheme. Yeah. It was, it was art, art it, it, emotion. It, that were, Matt LaFleur hire. That was a good one. Yeah, it was a good hire. I mean, I was skeptical of it at the time just because he had no track record except for Tennessee for a year, which wasn't good. And he really turned it around. So good on him. He seems to really incorporate information. Well, like he incorporates all the shanty stuff really well, and he's good at making adjustments, but Rogers should restructure. And I know that people, there's been way too much in the offseason of, oh, Jordan Love's going to play soon. And uh, this is one of those things where I'm right and everybody's wrong. Like he, Jordan, if, if Jordan Love starts any games next year, not because of injury or because the Packers have already yeah. locked up a first round bye, I will eat my goddamn hat. Yeah. Um, the only reason they'll possibly move on from Rodgers before, uh, like before he's ready at this point is if Jordan Love is showing in practice that he's basically Patrick Mahomes. That's That's your only scenario here. That has not happened yet, um, and as long as Rodgers is MVPing like this, Jordan Love's going to get Mark Brunelled, um most likely. So, which is fine. That is a totally fine thing to have happen. Um, what if he gets Matt Hasselbecked? Also fine. Same thing. Who cares? Um, we hear so little about him, and I think that's because of the COVID situation. But we just have like, do we know anything about Jordan Love's improvement? No, not at all. It's all speculation. Nobody knows anything, including us. It's. Um, you know, uh, he doesn't even he doesn't get reps. I mean, Tim Boyle's the backup. He's taken second team reps. Nobody sees Jordan Love play. Uh, all we saw of Jordan Love was like preseason missing nets on the move, which is not good. But that's pretty much my entire opinion of Jordan Love is seeing him miss wide open throws in practice. <laughs> um, which well, we we saw Jordan Love's college tape, which yeah, whatever. There was like one minute he was Aaron Rodgers, and then the next minute he was Blake Bortles. So, like, people are like, the potential is there. The flashes are there. They're not, flashes. though. <laughs> Flash. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're going to – I think they will restructure Rodgers, and he will be essentially signed for another two or three years, and they'll get more breathing room this year to do some deals, which is totally fine. That's how it should be. Rodgers played himself into that and got himself money, and there's incentives on both sides to make that happen. So, yay so for that. So, for – for the unaware, um, Aaron Rodgers is the de facto starter for at least one more year on his current contract. There's a potential team out in 2022. They would save $22 million on cap space, I think, if they Something got him like in that, 2022. Yeah. 
but it's basically all dead money if they cut him now or trade him. People are like, if they trade him post June 1st, I'm like, okay, well, no one's going to trade after the draft. That's the dumbest goddamn thing I've ever heard. <laughs> He's under so, contract through 23, right? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes, he is. Okay. But no, if they trade him post June 1st, shut the entire hell up. No one trades after the draft, especially a marquee player that's going to include several first round picks. Yep. Stop it. So, I mean, look at Jamal Adams just got traded for two firsts. Matthew Stafford got traded for multiple firsts. Aaron Rodgers, the only freaking trade that makes any sense for Aaron Rodgers is Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and that would be amazing, but not going to happen. <laughs> Paul makes Twitter mad every time he brings that up. Well, I brought it up before it was cool. So Yes, you did. <laughs> You're an OG on the Watson-Rodgers I mean, you, you brought it up last off. Last offseason, I said, if yeah. you, right now, would you trade Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Watson? Because you probably can, and people are just incensed at it. But it would still be a good trade. Um, it, but it makes sense for both sides because the Packers can convert Rodgers' salary into signing bonus and then amortize it for salary cap purposes over the rest of the deal, however much they add on. Basically, they can take a one-year hit and turn it into a four-year hit. Um, that also guarantees Rodgers an immediate payday. So works out for both sides, keeps them around longer. It should happen, and it almost certainly will. So mm -hmm. keep an eye out for it. And, you know, kudos to Rodgers for uh, proving doubters, including myself, wrong. And, man, Mike McCarthy just looks more terrible as time goes on. David Collum writes, do you think part of Rodgers' decision not to run, this is that faded final <laughs> drive, was the fact that, that not getting to the end zone would burn the two-minute warning? I love this question. Um, maybe I, I don't know how much quarterbacks are cognizant of things like that in the moment. Rogers is I, that's the thing. Rogers he's, is. he's a psycho crazy detail oriented person so quite possibly yes um, this play is crazy too because it, it really is scrutinized to death and there are wide ranging decisions on whether he would have scored or not or how far he would have gotten because there's various Tampa players closing down on him and some are fast like Jason Pierre Paul's one of them but he's kind of blocked yeah and, uh, who saw is the other one, right? And Domican's the other one. Who yes. Could maybe so get him. So it's it's the to me this is the antithesis of the last game in Milwaukee County Stadium, the Favre play where he the scored Favre, against the Falcons. The Favre, the Favre play scores against the Falcons, where Favre nearly lost his head. <laughs> sure did. If if he dove half a second later, Favre dies on the field. R.I.P. And I think, <laughs> I think if we see Aaron Rodgers at 37 years old attempt to run it in he gets caught by jpp and he dies on the field could be could be um and i so he definitely knew before the play started that they were coming up on the two-minute warning and i'm sure it crossed his mind that running was gonna it had to be a sure thing or it costs you kind of the game um so uh, it, it probably answers yes uh, i think it did probably factor into his decision to try and force it in there uh, that throw is also very much a only my guy or nobody else can catch it. The, you know, spike it uh, kind of six inches in front of him kind of throw. So, yeah, I think so. I think that's a, a good call by, by David there to notice that. The part of that play that fascinates me is just how much Rodgers and LaFleur were on the same page. Because I don't think there's really time necessarily for the conversation. What if it's a running play and I don't get it? Will we go for it on fourth down? Or if I get five yards, will we go for it on fourth down? Like, there's too many variables there. So it has to be sort of a trust issue. Did Aaron Rodgers trust that Matt LaFleur would not kick it 
on fourth down. You know, I think there's some speculation with his postgame comments that he would have preferred that they try to go for it on fourth and nine yep. and get the touchdown. So how much should that matter? Does that matter? If, if, if he thought one thing and Matt LaFleur ends up choosing another thing, you know, that could be part of the baked in criticism of Matt LaFleur for not, you know, we talked about how kicking it is maybe not the, the choice, but defensible, you know, that, that yeah. plays into it too. Does Aaron Rodgers' decision-making change based on what he thinks he knows about Matt LaFleur's decision-making? Yep. By the way, a new open question has come up on that play, which is uh, LaFleur admitted, or at least outed the fact that they do have somebody up in the booth running statistical models for go-for-it decisions. I um, didn't see that. Yes. Uh, yeah. ben, and, and that guy follows me on Twitter. What up? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, ben Baldwin tweeted it out today. He noticed it in a, in a, a press conference from LaFleur, uh, who's saying that he did get booth um, advice on whether to kick or go for it. And Baldwin, and um, you know, he, he's been digging into all the models on this. His model says it cost him about three percentage points of win percentage. The edge sports model is in alignment with that. But um, it was brought up, I think, by the PFF guys. There are some other public models that have it much closer. And now they were all like, well, okay, Matt's been good all season on these decisions. And it, it makes sense that he would have a guy in the booth giving advice. I wonder what their model was. And now they're all kind of trying to find out what were they relying on here. So, And, you know, it's probably not a publicly available model. The Packers have insight into how the Packers do in various situations. They can account for missing linemen and running backs getting stuffed more often in the, the quality of opponent and things like that. So... Um, the bottom line is this, three percentage points of win percentage is pretty small. I mean, yes, it, it's also kind of big, but in the grand scheme of things, given all the different variables and factors and quickness they had to make decisions, it, it, that's just going to be kind of a, a coin flip to mo to, for the most part. Mm. So, um, And I, it was, I think it was legit closer than, than the, the nerds made it out to be on Twitter. So, The nerds. Yep. So uh, the Packers... Uh, manager of football analytics is a guy by the name of Jack Prominsky. He went to uh, University of Virginia data science, U UVA data science, graduated in 2018. Okay. Um, immediately got a job working for Myers Holum, which is a IT service management company. He was a consultant, um, num number nerd, uh, and then started working for the team like three years ago. Okay. Shortly thereafter. Um, he is who I would think developed the analytical model that the Packers were running since that's his job. Shout out to that guy. I yeah, hope he's listening. That guy. He did so, a good yeah, job Jack, this year. Jack Frominski. Um, great follow, job. <laughs> follows me on Twitter. Has not tweeted since June of last year. <laughs> they might go into a little bit of a in-season like whole a lot of a lot of athletes will do that they won't tweet during the season so yeah maybe it's just it's just good practice if you're a you know behind the scenes guy to maybe not put anything out there yeah he has however gotten into arguments with ben baldwin in the past on twitter so good for him good for God. Like, right. <laughs> nothing is nothing makes me more interested in what's going on than two sports math nerds fighting on twitter that's <laughs> yay uh, that's like my whole twitter feed <laughs> i know well yeah <laughs> Yeah, so especially during the election season where you get the election nerds fighting with oh, each yeah. other. And it's Good like, times. yeah, this is this is the stuff, folks. So according to Jack's Twitter, in 2019, the Packers were hiring a uh, full-stack developer to work in their analytics team. Nice. So I would assume that's really when they kicked their, yeah, their, analytics their development into high. Yep. It'll be interesting to see if that translates into like player acquisition decisions 
football is kind of the opposite of baseball this way where um, analytics is really manifested on field quicker whereas in baseball it's almost exclusively a front office and only recently has it cracked on field decision making um, and, and uh, I'll I'm very interested to see it like if it starts to crack scouting um, this year and if we see any uh, you know, aside from Ted's thresholds and things like that, if we start to see some identifiable patterns of things they're paying attention to, could be cool. We're going to try to roll through these next few questions pretty quickly because I don't think any of them require too much depth of thought, <laughs> and uh, we have a lot left to go. So oh, let's let's move. Oh yeah, oh, nobody geez. said will they try to draft at least somewhat to win now? Now, as in, are are they finally going to draft to win now? I, I know the answer is no. Like no, that's not how they do. So fun fact. Oh boy. While the tw- the 2020 wide receiver team is the greatest crop of wide receivers that has ever existed this in the history better. of wide receivers. And 2021 is better. It's yes. better. It is supposed it, it looks it does look better too. Uh, I ran I ran Cuba or what Rops scores this year and it's like wow, these guys are all awesome and that is true. They're all awesome. They, this is a great class. So, good time to bring them in. Receivers. It's time to get a receiver. Like just so if, because your your guys the, are going to get like old and not be affordable anymore. You yeah. need a receiver. So if if the if the Packers are going to draft to win now, they're going to take Asante Samuel Jr. <laughs> and then in the second round, they're going to take Elijah Moore. All right, we've got those names written down. That works. He's a and wide speaking, receiver out of Mississippi. I do think, by I the way, like. it is it is a little bit wrong to say they didn't. So Jordan Love was obviously a, a future draft, but um, I do think Josiah DeGuerra was a current just fill in a guy you need draft pick. I, none of us liked it. We think we picked him too high, but he, he's clearly picked to be the Kyle Juszczyk of the team and the fact that he got hurt doesn't negate the fact that he was slated to play quite a bit and they didn't have that guy until uh, they signed Daphne later in the year who actually right. played a lot so um, and a lot and well and well and well and yeah there's a there's a sliding door we haven't considered DeGuara not getting hurt how that impacts this team at the end of the year I've, I mean, let, he'd be better be honest, than Daphne if he'd been playing all let, year. Let, let's be yeah. honest. If if Bakhtiari's not hurt, the Packers might win that game. Also true. Probably win 100%. that game. 100%. It's so it's so annoying. There's all those little things like that, and not that that's little. That's huge. Your left tackle yeah. turning his ACL is huge. But yes, if if that happens, they win. So it's annoying. Christopher Karlecki, Speaking of people to draft, on a serious note here, there is a long snapper named Cheeseman. It is a must to draft this kid, right? They need a long snapper. His so, name is yeah. Cheeseman. Absolutely, because their long slap, their long snapper sucks. So yes, I'm on board with that. Hunter Bradley's bad, and and did he cost them a game? I don't think he did. Not he, really. He um he cost them Mason Crosby. He did. That's true. Um, hmm. but he's he he does suck. So they should they should get a long snapper if they can get a long snapper named Cheeseman. I mean, just the jersey sales would make up for whatever you have to pay any you know to get him and all that. Okay. If the if the Packers draft Cheeseman, we need to get Whittle Shop and have them pre-make jerseys. Because anytime there's a good name and they're not like a high draft pick, you have to custom order the jersey. It takes forever. You're right. It's bad. So you can go to the stadium and have it made right on site though, as I did with my Josh Sitton jersey many years ago. But uh very nice. Yeah. Um so possible sliding door way that you could say the long snapper cost them. Did they was it part of the decision making process at the end of the game to not have it come down to a long Mason Crosby field goal because they were worried about Mason Crosby's ability Ooh, to make long field goals? Good one. Given the shoulder issue that he'd experienced, he had not he did not have to make a long one after that injury. I so, believe he was he was good from fifty eight in warm ups. 
Uh, okay, fine. Everyone is good from 58 and warm. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, I'm also not seriously positing this as a theory. I I'm kind of cool. like it as a theory because <laughs> normally you want to leave the field goal. Paul's, real... Paul's over here. Posit these nuts. Yeah. Normally you want, you want the field goal last go. because the field goal can can start with no time and have a good chance of succeeding. But mm-hmm. if you can't make a 50 yard field goal, then that's out the window. Then you got to go further. So maybe so. I, I kind of like it. It's a good theory. All right. Speaking of my thoughts, uh, I had a question. What's the best meme to describe this game? I'll go first. It's the Home Alone. Kevin! Um, I, this is mostly a question if Matub wants to answer it because I'm sure he has an answer or has maybe, maybe he doesn't have an answer. I don't know. It's I, uh, Kevin. I would love to answer, but my daughter is screaming in the background, so I have to constantly mute my... my Hi! <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's past your bedtime, and she didn't take a nap today. Ouch! So hey, ouch. hey, there you go. There's the meme to describe the game. The Packers' offense was past its bedtime, and the defense didn't take a. Nap. All right, okay. sounds good. Yeah. Uh, Easy Narc asks: The Simpsons was a beloved show. We've talked about the Simpsons already. Uh, that was exciting, and even though nothing ever changed, you still tuned in. 437 years later, even you have to admit that when it somehow manages to be great, it's still so stale and tiring. The Aaron Rodgers Packers are the Simpsons post-1994. Hi, Easy. How are you doing? I think, I think uh, that's a little early. I think <laughs> Simpsons post-1996. This is um, also directed at me because Easy hates the Simpsons and knows I love the Simpsons. And so, one of the great uh, internet cynics of our time. He is. Here's, here's a fun fact, JR. The movie Tin Cups sucks. <laughs> it's awful. Just terrible. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. Are I just, these, I'm. It, is this directed at, at to those, no, golf aficionado? Easy easy? This is, yes. Okay. Uh, he, he was the movie Tin Cup. That movie sucks. I know he doesn't listen to this podcast. Easy, your taste of movie sucks. Stop it. So nobody likes Kevin Costner more than him, which is always my reply to him not liking The Simpsons because most Kevin Costner movies are in fact terrible. Almost all, not all of them, but almost all of them. So it's a, it's not a good thing. Hey, speaking of Kevin by the way, Costner, by the way, new Aaron Rodgers is also good. So this is also not smart. I understand getting stale tire Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, but this is new Aaron Rodgers. He was great. He's going to win the MVP and deservedly so. So that's a trash. No, take. this is this is Aaron Rodgers classic. No, see what what we had was we had Aaron original Aaron Rodgers, yeah. and then Mike McCarthy post uh, twenty eleven. Mike McCarthy was new Aaron Rodgers, yeah. and now we have Aaron Rodgers classic. That, like Let's it. see, that's it's good. like the Coca Cola time. That. He's the White Wizard. He's the Gandalf after he fell down the bridge. Yeah. And broke his collarbone. Uh, <laughs> Mad Max asks, "What would what would a team have to offer right now for you to trade Rodgers?" Watson, which yeah, is Deshaun even, Watson. Sure. even plausible. Um, and for people who are like, Rodgers is better than Watson, it, he probably is a little better than Watson, but Watson's 25 years old. And you want your, the best way to win a Super Bowl is to have the team be good for a decade. And if they get Deshaun Watson, they'll be good for 10 more years. Whereas with Aaron, they'll be good for like three, four more years, which is still good, but um, it's a good problem to have. But that's pretty much all I would do is, is Watson. Um, there are no amount of number one picks I would trade for Rodgers right now because that's too speculative. This, would you uh, trade him for Trevor Lawrence? No, no. I would. Uh, by the way, I, <laughs> I just I might get burned on this. I have been wrong on quarterbacks a lot lately. I was wrong on Josh Allen. Um, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be good. So I'll just say that on the podcast right okay, now. Okay, you're you're going a little beyond where you. You know, you could it, say I don't think he's going to be special. How about that? Probably, I think he'll be. So, how about he'll be? Uh, in our previous conversations, Paul committed to the idea that trevor lawrence is not a can't miss prospect yes how about that's, that's what fine. he said he said he's not andrew luck he's not how about Manning. I, I think he tops out at stafford how about that 
Yeah, Stafford's good. pretty good. He's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. He's pretty good. The the fraternity of truly great quarterbacks in the NFL is such a freaking elite club. Like it is a it is a, a group of five, and there's like no nobody ever can crack into it. Like Josh Allen is such a rare thing. Patrick Mahomes three years ago is a rare thing. Like yep. it's so rare to see somebody new surface. Yeah, but there's we never more we than forget five that guys. Carson Wentz was flirting with an MVP award before yep, he got hurt. Sure was. So like... Andy Dalton. Uh, I have another one, but now it's escaped me. These guys don't sustain. Dak Prescott. These guys like have a year where they're really good, or two years even, and then it just doesn't. It doesn't Wait, work. Was, There's so few people like Aaron Rodgers. Was Andy Dalton ever an MVP level? No, candidate? he wasn't. No, but well, I, there was there was a famous episode of the Ringer NFL show where a guy pos- suggested that Andy Dalton might be slightly better than Aaron Rodgers. This was a couple years ago. Really? He he owned. Oh it yes, completely. I remember that. Like, okay, he, I think it was Kevin Clark. He owned it. D- couldn't live it down. Not. You know, not a great take. Didn't, didn't this, pan this out. Was, this was end of McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers. Yes. And Andy Dalton was playing statistically similar football. Yep. So it wasn't ter- – it was hot, but it wasn't like – Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, And, I agree. and just so people don't get on me for Q-Bops later, um, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence does meet the good quarterback Q-Bops thresholds this year. He is a 400-600 guy. So I don't think he'll be bad. But there are a lot of other prospects this year, sort of weirdly, who are up there with him. And he wasn't that good last year. He he he, str- he legit struggled last year. Um, so it's not like he is, has a unblemished resume. Do you know the conspiracy theory about that? No. What is the what is it? That he was tanking his draft status so the Jets, so the wouldn't, Jets take wouldn't take him. Take him? Well, okay. It, maybe he's a genius. Actually, then that's that's quite quite smart. Um, it's like it's like point shaving, but legal. Although I think I'd rather go. So last year I wouldn't want to go to the Jets. Now I think I'd rather go to the Jets than some other places. So that's. Well, now he's going to go to Jacksonville. Yeah, well. Quentin Wetzel asks, what happens if the Packers intentionally encroach, the Bucks decline, the Packers do it again, the Bucks decline again. We ended an endless time loop. This uh, this is referring to late in the game when the Packers intentionally jumped offsides on second and short so that because they knew it wasn't going to cost them all that many yards and it would save them some clock. So, so uh, there is a there is um, a precedent for this. It is... Um, I can't remember the exact name of the rule, but if you continuously do penalties over and over again, you can be heavily penalized automatically. Um, I think it was like, it was like an unsportsmanlike conduct or like under that sure. umbrella. It had to do with, because um, it, it was used against Belichick and then Belichick started doing it. It <laughs> was, um, it was, there was a false start and then an encroachment or not. It was a, it was offsides. Then, there, then an encroachment to i think it was to burn more clock or... munchek isn't it or Vrabel? Protect. yeah i think it was Vrabel. i think Vrabel did it against belichick and then belichick started doing it and now it's against the rules um yeah so yeah so the, what, the... the real answer to this is once the bucks decline it they're telling the packers we understand what you're doing and we're not going to let you do it and at that point it just plays out so i don't think they get into a war like that it would be interesting to see and and just by the way the packers did it because it was to their benefit to reset the downs. Tampa was at a second and one. This actually gave the Buccaneers a first down, which cut the number. If you let them go second and one, the odds are overwhelming that they convert, which adds another play, which wastes another 40 seconds. By giving them the first down, the Packers cut the number of plays they needed to Tampa Bay to run to get a, to force a punt, basically. So, um, it do was you a, think that was Jack Prominsky's doing? Yes, I do. It was a smart play. Uh, I actually suggested it on Twitter before uh, Saw anybody that. else. So I can vouch um, for that. Hopefully, he was following me and got the idea from me, though he totally didn't and knew to do it himself. So <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that was pretty smooth. The, the of course we'll talk baseball. The analogy I can think of is there is a switch pitcher out there in the minor leagues. They're very very rare, but there are some guys who can pitch left or right handed. And he got into the got into a battle with a switch hitter who stepped in the left handed batter's box. Yep. So the pitcher switched his glove to the to the you know so that he was also throwing left handed. The batter went back to the other side. The pitcher did the same. Umpire finally had to call time and like you know okay. he, he, he gave it to the pitcher. The pitcher. <laughs> The pitcher, uh, the batter had to pick. The pitcher got to choose what he wanted. Batter was batter struck out, and he was pissed. This so, good stuff. Uh, I think it was the same guy. There was an article written about him, and they didn't know the correct word to use, so they called him amphibious. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think that was just a typo. I think He's so. It's the, the word for you can use both hands. Amphibious. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. That sounds Go with right. it. Run it. Because of the am. Uh, Quentin Wetzel asks, what happens if the pack? Oh, no, we already did that one. Uh, this is Steve asking, realistically, will we see a new special teams coach and or defensive coordinator next year? <laughs> yes, we will, Steve. Yes, yes we will. We Steve. will. Mm, Steve. Love it. These questions are a week old. This is not uh, not somebody who just missed the news. Jeremy Penn asks, give me the odds. We punt another draft class. Similar to kind of what he's asking before. Yeah. Punt is a strong word, of Punt's course. Like, word. Well, hey, if you, if you ask TJ Lang, Aaron Rodgers is ready to set Brian Gutekunst on fire and pee on the ashes, but not the words he used, but uh, paraphrasing, yeah. I suppose. No, he said like, he said something about hellfire, didn't he? He, he did was... hell bent, hell bent on revenge, which he softened. Uh, he didn't like exactly walk back his comments, but he softened sort of the framing when he appeared <laughs> on the Pat McAfee show. I, said, I, hey, I... Maybe, maybe I was just goofing off, getting a little crazy with the wording, but like, yeah. you know, understandably he's he's saying that Aaron Rodgers there's a lot of fire there for them drafting Jordan Love he thought he was getting a, a playmaker did not get it and instead got his replacement and you can understand why that would piss him <laughs> off this is not news to any of us we nope. all know this so punting is is a weird thing to say though I think there's a lot of people who um after the Love draft wanted the Packers to draft for need and that's never a good idea I'll say the one thing about the last draft class is it had a lot of wide receivers and they could have used some receivers. It also had quite a lot of corners and they could have used those too. So a lot of their needs happen to exist um, in the draft, but they'll do, I think, a more normal draft this time. They probably won't draft a quarterback at least high um, and they'll go after, you know, best player available for the early rounds and then fill up needs, you know, after the fourth round. And that's kind of what their MO usually is. So that's fine. Speaking of drafting for need, maybe he's asking, will they draft a punter? <laughs> they uh, they do need a punter, but th there's no there's no reason to ever draft a punter. You should just get the five best undrafted college punters who graduated in and have them have a punting contest. And the only <laughs> the only way I could see it seventh round. I mean the the fine line between fine. seventh round the, picks and and undrafted yeah. guys. Maybe you get the only punter who's sure who you want. You know like that or. You could be Justice Mosqueda and think that anything after the fifth round is undrafted free agents. Oh, that could be too. That's I, uh, I think Justice used to be right, but now is not. And there so are no well, Justice Justice used to say four rounds, and he has since moved to five. Five. So after so sixth rounders are also so so sixth and seventh rounders are just undrafted free agents. I agree with that. That is correct. Justice yeah. is right. Discord Jonathan Deal asks: The Rams are better rated defense than Tampa and had better individual defenders across the board. Why did Tampa Bay have the success against the Packers? Um, partially, it's better offense, and uh, it, Brady's just a you know they scored more. That puts pressure on you, allows you to play different styles, and I do think that they're better coached. Um, I know that the Rams defensive coordinator was sort of all the rage and got a job right away. Um, I think Todd Bowles is real good. 
Um, that is a very clever defense. They're also structurally different. The Rams do not have those super fast inside linebackers like Levante David and Devin Whites, and that gives the Packers just f- fits of trouble every time. So the Rams played their game where Tampa played the game that would beat the Packers. Yep, that's that's a good way to put it, and that's that's kind of it. I have so much respect for Todd Bowles this season. I saw him coordinate a ton of great games, including against Green Bay twice. So that's, uh, that's a very well-done defense they have there. Uh, John Ramos asks why, sort of related, why did Green Bay abandon the motion against Tampa Bay? No goddamn idea, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I do think they have a bad habit when pressure starts to get to Rodgers that he likes to be in shotgun and they don't have as many motion options when he's not under center. That's part of it, but it's not all of it because it's not like they have no motion plays when he's in shotgun. Um, they did seem just to go away from it. I, I don't know why. Um, it's, a, it's a deficiency in the game. I do think they panic a little bit and they go to some safe plays, uh, quote-unquote safe plays, when they start to have the line breakdown that just don't work as well. And it, uh, really, you could probably blame Tampa's pressure and Wagner and Turner's struggles for a lot of that. You know what? I didn't realize that was the last question. Somebody wrote about my rant, my clickbait rant, I'm assuming from last week. I have no idea who wrote this. I just see oh, a shoot. note at the bottom. Is that, uh, it was from the Discord. So it was from read, the Discord, yeah. Uh, yeah. Read the question. I, I'll get who did it. <laughs> well, it's not really a question. Oh. It's a, no BS. JR's rant on clickbait might have been the most I've heard him talk nonstop in a while. I loved it, and he should do it more. <laughs> that was a uh, friend of show, Jonathan Deal. Uh, so I love it, it was. Jonathan Deal. Um, I don't, I guess I didn't know clickbait. I don't remember specifically. I'm assuming this is about like how, uh, people are defending uh, Schneidman. Y- yes. Or yes. Media people who are accused of chasing clicks. Yes. I get it. Yes. Yeah. I'm happy to talk more. I have none of the knowledge you people have, so it'll be <laughs> not what most people are here for, but like, whatever we can talk about. We can talk about lots of things. Indeed. Uh, okay. Jerry Eldred responded in the Discord. He said, I understand his frustration, but I think it's viable to go after schmucks like Florio. Oh, well, I wasn't thinking about Mike Florio. Yeah. That's sort Mike of Florio. Yeah, I know. You, you didn't you didn't specifically say names, and I'm assuming yeah. you don't want to say names now. I'm specifically saying I think you were talking about Matt Schneeman. <laughs> yes, I was. Article, <laughs> his article was labeled as clickbait. Yeah. Um, but Mike he, Florio's style Mike Florio is his own thing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's a different style. He's he's essentially a, a tabloid. He's like a Engl- a British style tabloid for football in America. That's what. Well, Mike then Florio he is. needs more page six, and I <laughs> and I'd read pro football talk. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I have one more question um, before we go um, and do plugs and stuff. So um, I I did I, I put a, a Twitter poll up earlier. Would the Packers have made the Super Bowl if they'd kept Bashad Breland, who is oh my gosh, um, who was on the team um, a couple years ago? Yeah. Last- been um, with the Chiefs the last couple of years. Been with the Chiefs two years now, and they it played well for the Packers as like a mid-season free agent replacement, and then they just let him walk. Um, and that's when I think yes, because he'd be in King spot. But here, here's my better question to both of you: Kevin King was questionable for this game. Do they make the Super Bowl if yes? If yes. Wait, 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 wait. you don't even have to. Play. No, 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 no. There's two: if he's out or if he is healthy. Well. I believe I broached the question last week where I said if Kevin King is hurt enough to where Tremont plays, the Packers are in the Super Bowl. Yeah. What, so, what, do you, what about if he's healthy? Does he suck it, too much to overcome? I think if he's completely healthy, he uh, doesn't give up the touchdown to Mike Evans. Because he, he gets up high up enough, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough because, uh, I mean, you can understand why they would be pushing for Kevin King to play because as we've talked about, he's taking a lot of shit. Much of it's deserved, but like Kevin King was okay this year. He was okay. Yeah. He is better in a vacuum than a guy that you signed off the street who's 38 years old and who hasn't been practicing in this system or whatever. Like, I, obviously, I love Tremont Williams and I have a lot of faith in him, but I can understand why the Packers are just like, let's go slowly with that. That's not something we want to be relying on in one of the biggest moments of the game. Yep. Um, so I, I understand why it happened that way. Man, it would be nice to know, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> would. When you're just one or two plays away. I do think out or healthy they make it, and questionable is the one, the one bad way that that happened to mm-hmm. happen. So, all right, um, that is all the questions. So, thank you for the tons and tons of questions from all of you. Uh, sorry if we missed a few that got in late today, but it's been a it's been a rough one. So, um, before before we go, um, any Jr. Any plugs? Any any cool stuff going up Bucks wise or anything else? Uh, yeah, the Bucks are kind of uh, yeah. kind of weird too. I, I still uh, I've got my weekly podcast with Jim Mozarski. You can find that in all the usual places. Uh, it's Super Bowl week, obviously, so did a little bit of Super Bowl content. Got a uh, uh, the fifteen best Packers Super Bowl moments. Uh, went with uh, well, what, what do you guys think would be number one on that list? What's number uh, one? The, the times that they won it. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Standing on the podium. I, I, I made I go, a list of 15. Um, I go Desmond Howard return, I think. Okay. Matub, you feeling similarly? Uh, I go check to Razor. Favre touched under Ryson. Oh, okay. Okay. So so those are both uh, very top plays, but neither is number one. Uh, Desmond Howard is number two. I have Max McGee's one-handed oh, catch Super Bowl one. Nope, I agree. I should have gone with that while drunk. It, it, yes, <laughs> while hungover, having spent the no, night. No, okay, so... The claim that he's hung over is shenanigans. That dude was drinking until two hours before the game. He was still drunk. I agree with Matt. He was drunk. I think hung over is the way you put it when you don't want it to be too salacious. Yep. What's, what's his quote? It was like, please don't make me play the hero. That's that's your number one right the, there. The, the idea that a guy who had five catches all year, playoffs included. I mean, that's Tremont Williams subbing into the game yeah. and, you know, and, and having two pick sixes. Like the guy caught seven balls, 136 yards, whatever it was. The first touchdown in Super Bowl history, which granted, you know, maybe didn't have the cachet in the moment that it ended up having now. But the, I, just an iconic, incredible performance. And so, that uh, catch where he is turning around is, is in fact, yes. incredible for any era. It's, it's uh, I, 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 here's a good hypothetical. Does he make that catch if he is sober? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I'm not sure Probably he does. Not. Oh, yeah. So so that went up. We did uh, a bunch of Super Bowl commercials with Wisconsin Connections. Got a big list of 13. Those are kind of fun. Um, I'm going to try to do some stuff based around the Hall of Fame because by the end of the week, we should know that Charles Woodson is, in fact, going into the Hall of Fame uh, with this with this class. So that'll that'll be fun, too. Charles Woodson, obviously, is a fun guy to write about. Lots to lots to mine there as well. Yeah. Matt, anything for you? Any weaving? We have hoodies. We have hoodies. I got, we have hoodies. Um, the Appleton Coffee sent me a hoodie. They're awesome. Oh, my God. I want one. I want a hoodie. <laughs> okay. I, I will tell Steve to send you one. My wife just got a hoodie. It's the same as the one that, that our hoodies are printed on. They're awesome. And they're only $4 more than the t-shirt. Are just go really? buy a hoodie. Yeah, just go buy a hoodie instead. Just also, if you've listened this far, we, we might have a t-shirt giveaway in the not-too-distant future. So Yeah. For, for our- um, we did. I mean, we, we have done uh, giveaways in the Discord. Yep. I will talk to Steve about setting up another one. Um, he has that uh, the three-month subscription, which is a, a mug. You get a mug. You get 
bag of coffee and you get a, a t-shirt. He's done that as a as a giveaway previously. Nice. Yeah, so I anyway, think we should set something up like yeah, that. Yeah, I'll put a picture of of the hoodie on Twitter and you guys can see it. And we'll we'll do we'll, we'll almost certainly do a giveaway for at least patrons in the not too distant future. So all right, before I get out, um, my season wrap up and grades are up at Shepherd Express now. Um, I will. I'm going to write something this week for Acting Packing Company on Matt Lafleur's um, very advanced like statistical um, tendencies because the Packers, amongst other things, were very progressive in doing all the things that nerds say should be done: fourth down, going for it, going for two at the right time, not punting. Um, you know, all that jazz. So. Um, That'll be up there. And also, uh, baseball season is just around the corner. Um, I am one of the members of Milwaukee's Tailgate podcast as well. Um, we we have a not slightly new lineup because um, Brad, he got a job with the actual Brewers and had to quit the podcast. But uh, James Anderson's taken over for him on the uh, Minor League Extra with Ryan. You get that with Patreon as well. I am on the normal big pod. And while the Brewers haven't done anything yet, they, they have to soon because they need people to play baseball <laughs> so when that happens we'll talk about it um other than that um thank you all for listening this year we will have of course sporadic off-season podcasts football never really stops things happen coaches happen there's drafts and all that jazz so um we will we'll be back soon and thank you all for listening uh, it was a fun season and should be a good one next next year too so we will we'll talk to you all again later. place you'll see me brace yourself because this goes deep i'll show you the secrets the sky and the birds actions speak louder than words stand by me my apprentice be brave clench fists